0: Luke 11, 1, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. We're going to preach for a few minutes on the title, teach us to pray. Ever since 2020, even before that, but we all know that when 2020 hit, this whole world began to change in a significant way with the pandemic hitting. And now we've been seeing an escalation of different things that are happening around the world. And out of the many things that God has done for us, Throughout the time that we've been serving him. And in case you didn't know it, even before you were serving the Lord, even before you knew Jesus, he was already working in your life, blessing your life, protecting your life. Because you had a calling, you have a purpose. And until the day that you gave your life to Jesus, and now he continues to do that in our life. How many are grateful for everything that God does in our lives? And and because he's good to us, and he does so many things, blesses us in mighty ways and provides and heals and opens doors and sometimes he'll close doors when he doesn't want want us to go that route. One of the things that we ought to do is to remain connected with him through prayer. Because we know that as children of God, the Lord's not a genie in a bottle or a butler, per se, where we ring a bell or just call on him when we have a need. Amen? And expect him to come. And, you know, the Lord is so merciful and good, and many times he does come, nevertheless. But what we ought to do, in a, not only in appreciation, but in order to stay connected with him, especially because, Of the times that we're living in today. I believe the last days. Because of the days, we gotta remain connected with the Lord in order to hear His voice, in order to know what to do, in order to have that guidance in our lives. And I really believe that God, and I thank the Lord for our pastor. Who had it? The Lord placed in his heart and him being sensitive to the Holy Ghost even before everything that right now is taking place in the Middle East and seems to just be escalating and escalating. The Lord re- spoke to our pastor, I want our church to begin to pray. And I really believe that now is a time like never before that we need to step it up in prayer and continue As things escalate out there in the negative, may our prayer lives escalate as well in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he's calling us to prayer because it's our connection to God's power. We learn to pray in good times and in bad times. He wants us to pray so that we can be persistent in our prayers. And he wants it to become part of our lifestyle. And that's the first point that I want to share with you here this morning is that prayer should be part of our lifestyle. The text says, now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. This disciple had observed something about Jesus that was different from anybody else. And it was that Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer as the man Christ Jesus, because we have to understand, That Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. He was 100% God. But at the same time, he was 100% man. And because he was a man, he needed to know how to pray. And he left us an example, an overwhelming example of prayer. If you study the life of Jesus, you will find that he prayed at his baptism. He prayed when he was on the mountaintop. He prayed when he was in the desert. He prayed when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed all night long on several occasions. He prayed in the morning. He prayed alone. He prayed for the multitudes. He prayed for the children. He prayed for his disciples. He even prayed when he was on the cross. And he left us a tremendous example of a lifestyle of prayer. And he is the perfect example for us to follow. Hebrews 5, 7 Says who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. It's just saying there that he was a person of prayer and prayer must become our lifestyle if we're really going to be children of God and Christians. It's what we do. It's something that's our lifestyle. When it's your lifestyle, it doesn't change. When something is your lifestyle, it's something that you live on a daily basis. It's something that's natural. It's something that you love to do. It's something that's basic to us. As children of God, prayer ought to be our lifestyle. Can somebody say amen to that? Because when prayer is your lifestyle, it will back up the message that you preach. Because when we're out there telling people about Jesus, and when we're out there sharing our testimonies, And sharing the word and maybe opening up your home for a Bible study or at the Starbucks for a Bible study or at your workplace. Wherever it is that you connect with people, if you don't have a lifestyle of prayer, it will not back up the message that you're preaching. When you pray, people will notice there's something different about you. I was at a conference just this last weekend, and the, the, I didn't know anybody there. It was my first time. But when one of the men walked in to that building, I just knew that's a man of God. I don't know who he is, but that's got, that has to be the bishop or somebody. And I could tell because he must have a lifestyle of prayer. There was something different about him than the rest of the people. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to share, yes, the message of the gospel and testify to people about Jesus for them to come to him. But you know what's going to give the message is if I live this life and and have a lifestyle that is every single day connected with Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, it's going to make a difference. Praise God. I spoke about this some time ago, but prayer will develop your Private ministry with God. Well I want a public ministry, Brother Rusi, great. but your private ministry with God is better because you might preach good, you might sing good, you might have some awesome talents and some giftings. Praise God. Thank the Lord for every gift and talent, and ministry, and calling that is within the people of PFAC, there is tremendous potential, and many of you are used mightily and awesomely under the power of the Holy Ghost, and that's great, and we applaud the Lord for that, and you as well. And there will be times, because of your public ministry, people will pat you on the back, And they'll tell you, good job. You prayed somebody through to the Holy Ghost. You helped somebody here. You did this. And we will acknowledge it as we should. And sometimes we miss it. Forgive us. But let me tell you what. What's going to give your ministry power and authority is if you have a private ministry with the Lord. I want to be able to privately know him. I want to be able to privately seek him. I want to be able to close my door, go into my prayer closet, and seek the Lord in prayer. Because if I don't have that, people might pat me on the back in public, but in private, I'm failing. And the private ministry, you're not going to get pats on the back. You're not going to get acknowledged. You're not going to go out and tell people, I prayed an hour. Some people do that. Brother Rusi, I just want to tell you, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I fasted this week. There's people like that, okay. Praise God. Thumbs up. But let me say this. When you do what you do in private for God, and you get to know him, and you get into your word, and you get into prayer, and you get into that time, yes, of fasting. Fasting isn't something that's gone out of fashion, praise God, somebody. Is something that the Christian still does today. But when we get amen connected with God in private, maybe your public ministry isn't so popular, but who cares as long as God knows you. It doesn't matter who else knows you as long as God knows you. So that's why prayer should be a lifestyle. But prayer is also our connection to God's power. The disciple that asked the Lord to teach them to pray. He could have asked Jesus to teach them on a different subject. Because they witnessed the greatest preacher of all time. Teacher of all time. Jesus was so tremendous in his preaching and his teaching. People, thousands, will follow him to the desert without even eating, just to hear him preach and teach. Houses would be filled to where no one was able to get into the house. And they would have to cut a hole in the roof just because they wanted to hear him teach and preach. He's the greatest preacher and teacher of all time. That's why, let me add this in here really quick, it wasn't in my notes, but if you're going to preach and teach, do it now, because when we get to heaven, no one's going to want to hear you, because we're going to be in the presence of the greatest preacher and teacher of all time, the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach your messages now, do your Bible studies now, testify now, because in that day, we're not going to want to hear those But this disciple, seen Jesus do miracles, signs and wonders, healed the sick, opened up blind eyes. The mute would speak. The deaf would hear. The lepers were cleansed. The dead were raised in the ministry of Jesus. He could have said, Lord, that's awesome. Your public ministry is so tremendous. Teach me to preach. Teach me to teach. Teach me to do signs, miracles, and wonder. But this disciple had found, found the key to, the, to Jesus. And he said, it's not about those things, the preaching and the teaching. He said, instead of that, teach me to pray. I want to learn to pray. Instead, teach me to pray. Why? Because I believe this disciple had a revelation that preaching and teaching or operating in the supernatural required one to be connected to God through prayer. Because prayer is our connection to God's power. In Matthew 17, 21, the Bible says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And that's when Jesus went up to the mountain. And at the, bi- at the base of the mountain were the rest of his disciples. And, the, and this man brought his son to his disciples while, while Jesus was on the mountaintop. And he told his disciples, My son is demon possessed, my son needs healing. The devil's trying to kill him, pray for him, help him. And they tried, and they couldn't do nothing. And then Jesus comes down from the mountaintop, and he says these words uh, that this kind uh, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And Jesus simply said the word, and the demon left, and he healed that child. You know what I don't want to get caught up in? And one of my fears as a preacher is that people come to me with the need and I don't have the goods to give them anything. I don't want people to say I need healing. I need deliverance. I need help from God can you help me and that goes for all of us I believe as children of God it shouldn't only be for the preachers but I don't want to be somebody that says I got miracle signs and wonders and says we got deliverance and says we got Jesus living on the inside and then when it comes down to the nitty gritty we can't offer them anything you know what that's called it's called a false advertisement and when you have a false advertisement out there in the world businesses get sued for false advertisements i don't want to present something that is false you know what i desire that when people come to the members of pfac that they come with the need of healing and you can lay your hands on the sick and watch them recover that they might come demon possessed and you don't have to call Brother Mingo or the pastor or one of the ministers but you yourself can speak the word because you've been in prayer you have that connection with God's power and you yourself can cast out that demon as a believer because these signs shall follow them that believe it doesn't matter if you have a title or a credential or a position in the church as long as you are a believer Believer, but if you are a believer, you will be connected to the power of God through prayer. Somebody bless the name of the Lord. Somebody said, Lord, I want to be connected to your power through prayer. It's our connection to Holy Ghost power. And you know what? The devil hates those types of Christians, and he will mess with you because you're a threat to the devil and to what he's doing, but if you do not pray, you're not so much of a threat to him, just being real right now. He might let you go on and live your way. Well, then somebody might say, well, that's why I don't get too deep into prayer because I don't want to have those attacks from the enemy. But guess what? When you're connected to God's power, even if the devil himself came, you'll be, you have a cage of protection over your life and you'll be able to resist the devil in the name of Jesus and even command him. To go because you know in whom you've believed and who lives inside of you and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'm not one of those people that's going out and looking for the devil and trying to fight the devil. But if he shows up to our doorstep and you have a connection to God's power through prayer, guess what? He's going to knock on the wrong door. You're going to tell them, guess what? You knocked on the wrong door today, devil. You better leave because this is a house of prayer. I'm a person of prayer. I'm a man. I'm a woman of prayer. I'm a young person of prayer. And I believe the devil will flee from you because you have a connection to the power of almighty God. How many prayer warriors do we have in the house today? God is calling us to escalate, to to take it to that next level, to enter into another dimension of prayer. But when, when we look at this story more closely regarding the disciple that went to Jesus and asked him to teach us to pray, we see something that's somewhat alarming why? Because my question is this. Why was it that he was the only one of his disciples that had, re- had this request? Because if I go back here to the verse, it says that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Why was it that it was only one of the disciples Where were the other 11? Why were they not concerned with prayer? And you know why? It's because not everybody wants to pray. The prayer service over the years has been and probably always be one of the least attended. Unfortunately, it should not be that way. But people do not like to pray. We don't like to bend the knee. And it's not that you have to always be on your knees. There's many examples of prayer in the Bible. They prayed standing up. They prayed yes on their knees as well. That you can pray wherever, whenever, in different positions, in different ways, with your hands raised, with your head bowed, Laying prostrate on your knees. Whatever way you choose to pray, it's just the fact that this flesh doesn't like it. Because the flesh understands, I'm losing a grip on this person. The flesh and the world will lose its grip on you if you make it your lifestyle. And if we learn how to pray, and here's another reason why that we don't like prayer, because it costs, it costs, it does. If you have to, set it up in your calendar, set it up in your calendar. I have it marked in my calendar. It helped me. To make sure I got this time of prayer. And we have embarked in our calendar, we have family prayer too. Can I recommend pray with your family? Have that devotional time yourself, but can you also pray with your family? Where are our children gonna learn from if it not be through us? We have to set the example for our children so that they learn how to pray, so that they learn how to cry out to God, so that then when they decide to get on their knees, they only don't do it for a minute or 30 seconds, but they've learned this is part of our lifestyle. This is something that we do because it connects us to the power of God when we pray. It costs. You're going to have to take time to do it. And I understand prayer doesn't always have to be one hour or two hours or three hours. Sometimes prayer can be short. And and I've learned that over the years at times. That there will be times that it's not how long my prayer is, but it's how deep is my prayer. Can I connect with him? Can I, amen, connect with the Lord and his power through Prayer, so it connects us to the power of God. But prayer, number three, is perfected during adverse times. All right. So the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. But then he said, as John also taught his disciples. Now, throughout Scripture, you will not find an example of John the Baptist teaching his disciples to pray. You won't find it. But what we do see in the life of John the Baptist was that he was a man used mightily of God, but he was also a man that experienced much adversity. He suffered being in jail for his faithfulness and the call of God that was upon his life eventually brought him to martyrdom. He was killed. He was a martyr. Because of his faithfulness to God. He was a man who suffered much adversity. But I believe that through John's adversity and John's suffering, his disciples learned how to pray. Because adverse times will bring you to your knees. But how beautiful would it be? And we did not wait for adversity to come to bend the knee. How beautiful would it be if we can pray to the Lord on a daily basis before problems come, before adversity comes, before crisis comes. Definitely we ought to pray when we're in difficult times, but what about when everything is going good? Can you still pray then? Can it still be your lifestyle? Can you still get on your knees and say, When everything's going good and I got money in the bank and my body feels good and I don't have sickness or disease and every, all the children are acting good and getting good grades. Can you still pray in those times when everything is going good in your life? You can look at the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed because Daniel's enemies within the government of that day had set up a plan to try to destroy Daniel. And they went over to the king. And they said, King, what if we do this? Why don't we set up a law? That says for the next 30 days, if anybody prays to a different God, if they do that, we'll throw them into the lion's den. We think you ought to do that, king. And you know what? The king said, I think so too. Let's go ahead and sign that into law. But once it was signed into law, Daniel 6 verse 10 says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. He found out. Well, they signed this decree. Beautiful, wonderful, nice. Is that going to change my lifestyle? And then it says, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God as it was his custom since early pesa Somebody might say, Well, of course, Daniel prayed because of that decree. No, uh, it was already his lifestyle. It was already his custom. Uh, if there's a decree or if there ain't no decree, uh, I'm going to still pray three times a day, Daniel was saying. Uh, if they throw me into the lion's den, uh, if they want to kill me or do whatever they want, uh, it's all right uh, because I'm not going to change my lifestyle. I'm not going to lose my connection with God. Uh, I'm not going to throw that away. Uh, because Because they're threatening me. I'm going to pray as I've always prayed. Because I've learned to do this. And it's my lifestyle. Not only when times were adverse. But when times were good. It was his lifestyle. And it says that he went into his upper room. And that upper room represents prayer. Go into your upper room. Christian. Christian. That upper room represents faith. When you get into prayer, faith will increase in your life. That upper room represents Holy Ghost power. When the 120 disciples were in that upper room praying and believing and waiting on God, then suddenly the power of the Holy Ghost came down and filled them all with the Spirit of God. And they all spoke in other tongues. There's power when you pray, but you can't give up that easy as they did. And in that upper room, they prayed, and they waited, and they believed, and they prayed, and they waited, and they believed. And then suddenly, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost came in. Can I tell you, if you pray, if you, amen, believe, and you wait on God, and don't give up, and pray in good times, and pray in bad times, suddenly, Jesus. Just at the right time, the Holy Ghost will come. The Holy Ghost will deliver. The Holy Ghost will heal. God will move in your life, but you can't give up on prayer. Somebody needs to go to their upper room tonight. Because in that upper room, you're going to find an answer to your prayer. If you don't pray, you won't find the answer. But in that upper room, you will find your answer to prayer because God answers prayer. And you know what else you find in that upper room of prayer that's better than any of those things that I mentioned? Faith, that's awesome. Answers to prayer, that's awesome. But you know what's better than that even? Even then that deliverance and even better than that healing is in that upper room of prayer. You're going to find yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Oh, I don't know if that gives joy to anybody. But you have an opportunity to have an appointment with your creator. And I believe that he desires to have his people one-on-one, amen, to hear from you. And so that he can also speak to you and that you can have fellowship with him one-on-one. When you get into prayer, you will find the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I thought that I'd get more excitement out of that, but that's just how it is sometimes. Did you know that when you get to heaven, the center of attraction is Jesus? Thank God that you're going to see your loved ones. That passed and went to be with the Lord. You're going to see them in heaven. You're going to see the angels of the Lord. You're going to see the seraphims with those six wings. You're going to see the four living creatures that are around the throne of God. But you're going to see the streets of gold. Imagine that, streets of gold. How valuable gold is here. But in heaven, it's the pavement that we walk on. You're going to have the street of, but beyond all of those things, beyond seeing your loved ones, beyond seeing the angels and the seraphims and the archangels and the four living creatures and the streets of gold and the sea of glass, where you and I will see the center attraction of Kevin who is Jesus Christ. But you can have a little preview of Jesus if you want to right here on earth. All you got to do is go into your prayer closet. All you got to do is close your eyes and connect with him in prayer. All you got to do is bow down or however it is that you connect with the Lord. But you could have a little bit of a preview of Jesus Christ himself in your life. Because that's who we will be worshiping when we get to heaven. Can somebody bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're the king. You're what I want more than anything else. I want you, Jesus. I'm almost going to be finishing. And prayers and art. I'm almost finishing here. In the verses two through four of Luke 11, and you can study Luke 11 on your own time, but Jesus gives us a guide for prayer. He had priorly given his disciples a similar guide in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. The fact that he presented them with the guide on prayer on two separate occasions demonstrated the importance of prayer. But also the fact that he didn't repeat the same words in Luke that he used in Matthew shows us that prayer was and is not a repeating or a memorizing of words. Instead, Jesus was teaching them the importance of prayer and the elements that ought to be in prayer. But that it's not a repeating, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's all you do. Huh? Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed, and thank you. Give me this. Give me this. Give me that. No, 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 no. We got to learn the art of prayer. And I want to recommend to somebody that you study Luke chapter 11. And you study Matthew chapter 6 so that you can learn the elements that are in prayer. And I'll mention them as I'm beginning to finish. Uh, You're going to find that in prayer there's worship. You're going to find that he says to seek first the kingdom of God. You're going to find that we are to submit our will to God so that his will be done on earth that it is in heaven. You're going to find out that in prayer there's petition In prayer, there's repentance. In prayer, there's asking for forgiveness to God and also asking, amen, God, for you to, also others asking for forgiveness. So you got to ask for forgiveness to the Lord for your own self, but also forgive others who have done you wrong as well. You can do that in prayer as well. Prayer is also, amen, keeps us from evil and it helps us. Be led by God because when you pray, God will guide your steps. So there's direction and there's guidance in prayer, but there's also much more you can speak in other tongues. You can add the word to your times of prayer. You can add some psalms to your times of prayer. You can develop your own method. The point is this. Let's make it an important part of our lives. And let's learn the different elements that are in prayer as well. One of the musicians, please. And I want to ask this. And and I've... Made this in my own life. Something that I want to do and try to do. I want to keep my appointment with God for prayer. I don't want to break that appointment. I can break the doctor's appointment and I can cancel the appointment with the dentist. But let's not cancel the appointment with God in prayer. And to finish off, prayer should be persistent. In verses 5 through 8 of Luke 11, Jesus continues to teach on the art of prayer by giving them a parable. And he said, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed I cannot rise and give to you. And Let me stop there really quick before I read verse 8 because in those times the door of the home the door would be on pillars that would be the home. It would sit on pillars and the door of the home was underneath. So when they would close the door at night they would lay down their bed over the door. So they were asleep that was the custom of those days. He was in bed. The whole family was sleeping. And the friends coming at the midnight hour, knocking on the door, open up. I need some bread. And verse I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. But because of his persistence, he will rise. And give him as many as he needs. We should persist in prayer and not give up. Don't give up on those things that God has promised you. Continue to pray for those things. Continue to thank God for them by faith. And continue to believe in them. But don't give up on prayer. And don't stop praying for that loved one who hasn't given their lives to the Lord yet. Or who has left the things of God. We cannot give up. We must be persistent in prayer. That is part of prayer. Being persistent. And then Jesus finishes his discourse on prayer. In verses 9-13 through 13 of Luke saying, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who, re- who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be open." But get this, because I always thought, I always read to verse, I wouldn't go to verse 11. I would only stop at verse 10 and read that. Wow, so then I'm going to go ahead and seek. I'm going to go ahead and knock. And I'm going to go ahead and ask, Lord. And I'm going to get everything that I want. But you got to read the whole chapter. Because it's not talking about material things. Prayer is not primarily for material things or things that our physical man needs. Prayer is more for spiritual needs. And what the spirit man needs to live. And he says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He was talking about something that's spiritual. So if I ask and if I seek and if I knock, I understand we have needs. Yes, we do. We need provision at times. We need healing at times. We need God to perform a miracle many a times. Yes, we do. And he's good and he's awesome. And he'll perform those things and he'll bless his people and he gives us everything that we need but may our prayers not end there only on what our physical needs might be might they continue deeper into what the things of the spirit are and into the things that God wants to do through us and in us and take us to those new dimensions and levels and use our life for his honor and for his glory may God, amen, use his people in that way But our prayers can't be superficial. They have to go into the spirit realm. Prayer shouldn't primarily be for building up your material things. But it should be primarily for building up your spirit man. And this is what I want to do. Feel to do in the Holy Ghost. I want to invite those that simply need prayer today. Maybe you have a need. Maybe you have a petition. Maybe you do want that deeper revelation, move of God in your life. Maybe you want to be used of God mightily for his glory. Do something for God. But you're here, whatever that need might be, God knows it. Maybe you're praying for a loved one. Maybe you're praying for a family member that's lost. Maybe you're praying for somebody to give their lives to Jesus and you're giving up, but you need prayer. I'm gonna ask you to come to this altar.